Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, we sit down with my friend Christian Woodmancy. He's an instructor, coach, competitor, and owner of Logic Jiu-Jitsu in Philly. You can find him at logicphilly.com. As always, this episode is brought to you by the world-famous Tortuga Soap Company. All the things you need to keep you looking and smelling good. Use the discount code PODCAST and get 20% off your order. Also brought to you by Port City BJJ, home of the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. If you're ever in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire area, please come check us out. We'd love to train with you. And this episode is also brought to you by BJJ Prehab. BJJ Prehab is a program of custom videos designed to keep you healthy and injury-free for when we get back on the mats. BJJPrehab.com Thanks everybody for listening and watching. We really appreciate the support. We hope everybody's doing all right out there. Stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. Peace. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming on, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you having me. Really excited. Yeah, no How's your family? Good. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy, which is nice. You know, I can't complain. Um, a little stir crazy, a little antsy, but um, everything's good. What about you? Everything's good with you guys? Everything is good, man. I, I mean, I started off quarantine. I was looking pretty good. Now my hair's all crazy. My, you know, everything's, everything's clean. All my geese are clean, but everything. Just everything, waiting. Just waiting. It's in a holding pattern. Are you doing any type of like training in the house or isolation training or something like that or what do you do a little a little bit man like i'm i've been running i mean i've been running a little bit and like everyone every couple days i'll be like i wonder how many push-ups i can do so like i'll try to do like the first time i was like i bet i can do a thousand push-ups in a day and uh, i could i didn't do a thousand man i th- i did three three hundred and twenty Wow. Hey, listen, that's so impressive. That's way far. Way, way off the mark. Then the next time I did like 400 and something. So I still got a long way to go. Uh, yeah, it's a process. It'll be good. You'll be jacked by the end of this quarantine. Quarantine bot. That'll be good. You'll be good. Yeah, I did that. I, I did that with pull-ups the other day too. I did like 50 pull-ups, man. Man, crazy. You've got the motivation. <laughs> what about you, man? What have you been up to? And I really haven't been doing too much. Like I've been trying to like really behind the scenes right now. So I'm doing a lot of like uh, some not top secret stuff, but I'm basically making sure that when, you know, non-essential businesses reopen again, that kind of like logic is a couple of steps higher and stronger than it was before we closed. So I'm working behind the scenes for like the, the membership website for like the, the students and my affiliates and, um, working really hard on like making sure that like the space is adequate. We were waiting for like some maintenance repairs to be done. So I literally live like maybe 150 feet from door to door. So it's easy to just pop in over there, which is nice. But I mean, honestly, it's been kind of like enjoying the downtime. Like, you know, um, it is a little bit tough to not be teaching and to be around people, but it's definitely a change of pace. It's It's nice to be able to just kind of like relax and make sure you're scheduling things back to kind of figure out like what the next game plan is. So um, I'm excited for it to be over, but I'm not doing, I haven't done any jujitsu until like a webinar like last week. And that was it. I haven't trained. I haven't done anything. No, no running, walking really that much, no push-ups or anything like that. So just, I feel good, but nothing, absolutely nothing. So that is the, one of the bonuses, man, is I do feel pretty good. Like a lot of stuff, like my fingers feel pretty good. Um, 
knees, neck. Um, and we've used like, so, you know, we've been doing this podcast for like six years, but most of the time, you know, I train like five or six days a week. So there's not a lot of time for, and usually we go to people's academy and like roll and then we talk on the mat after. And so that's always been our thing. So this last two weeks, man, I've probably done 10 podcasts. Like, and usually we do 10 in 10 months. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to be able to have that kind of content coming in. You know, like there's a lot of people that are like definitely in certain aspects growing and thriving from the situation, you know? So it's nice to be able to like, make sure people are getting what they need to. And like, it's, it's great that, you know, people can like foresee that, you know, so it's, it's nice that you guys are going to have a plethora of content, which is good and be able to kind of like keep people from going stir crazy in their house. So it's definitely huge for the community. Yeah. So that's kind of like, it turns out it's, it's, I mean, I do miss Roland for sure. You know what I mean? I miss Roland, but it turns out like maybe I miss the, community and the interaction more you know because i spend so much time on the mat with people and so like these little talks are really more for me than <laughs> like they make me feel so good no it's the sense of tribe is huge you know and it's like uh i think it's nice it, it, i think this situation is going to make jujitsu stronger you know because it's kind of like that that analogy of like you know you don't know what you got until it's gone and then like you break up with a girl and then you're like oh man she was great you know i should have done this this and that you know and I think people now kind of like definitely seeing like, oh man, I don't know what life is like without this, this and that in it. So, I mean, like it's, it's definitely, I feel it too. Like I'm not, I mean, I, at this point in time, I recognize you too, is just being able to like impact other people. And like, I kind of feel like empty and like without having that ability to do so, it's really, really challenging, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's nice that yeah, you're still able to connect with people. It's nice to be able to see you. I haven't seen anybody else and be able to have conversation, you know? So it's like, but it's great. Like, you know, you're, you're able to still kind of get your fix quote unquote, you know, but, um, I'm definitely looking forward to being able to do these things how we normally did it just a little bit better, but, uh, yeah, it sucks. I hope, I hope it, uh, it goes away soon so you can get back on the mat and then enjoy the conversations again in training as well. But, um, it's definitely not the same as it once was scary. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way as you, like, hopefully, Hopefully, jujitsu and the world, right, comes out of this and doesn't just go back to normal, but goes back to, like, something better, I hope, you know? Um, and we were, like, talking about, like, well, we can put out techniques, but we were like, man, so many people are putting out techniques, like, why? So we were just like, let's just do a bunch of podcasts. And so we started even doing, like, we did, this is not a live one, but every Saturday night we do, like, a live one with, like, five or six different people. And we just talk about jujitsu with people all over the country, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So, and everybody was like, oh, I feel so much better after doing that. So I was like, all right, we should do that more, you know? That's like a happy hour get together for jujitsu, you know, just like pulling up cars six feet away from each other and just saying like, how's your week been, you know? So it's, it's definitely nice. But yeah, I mean, I definitely don't expect things to go back to like how they were normal because that's how we got here, you know? But, right. you know, I hope to some degree, like we kind of like pick and choose the good and the bad and like make sure we just move forward in a progressive way. But um, yeah, I mean, I miss it. I miss the community, you know, and um, I'm really, really feeding to yeah, I mean, It's only been like three weeks. I can't imagine, you know, like, I don't know how I went my entire life without having jujitsu. And then now all of a sudden it's been gone for three weeks. And I'm kind of like, man, I question everything, you know, so it's crazy, but um, it, looking forward it to, does make you question everything. It makes you question everything. It's like, this is awful. 
No, but it's good. You know, I've seen the positive and it's nice. I think it's what you have to do, you know, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's good. I'm glad that, you know, glad that like you're sane, glad that you're healthy, glad that you're got jiu-jitsu on your mind and you're looking to kind of like keep it going in any shape, way or form. So, um, I'm sure it's tough. I'm sure it's tough for everybody. You know, I get messages every day, multiple times a day, like, Oh, I can't wait to do this. And like, Oh, Hey coach. And I'm like, man, like I can't do anything to help out too much, you know, but, um, it's tough. I think everybody's feeling it, which is, I think brings us together more as a community as well. Like, you know, but, um, I, I, I know everybody's ready. So I can't wait for that day to be coming up soon. How, how do you think, uh, cause this is something I think about, like, how are we going to know when it's ready? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess there's like the quote unquote, like national mandate, right? Which is like, I think I, I haven't checked, but like, I think as of right now, it's still April 30th, but I'm like an affiliate in Virginia and like the, the governor literally stated their, their mandate is going to June 1st, you know? So, I mean, I think it's going to be different for everybody, you know, like we kind of closed our doors, like before the mandate took place, you know, and like my, my number one priority is to make sure that obviously the students are safe, you know, and they're healthy. So like, is it, is it ever going to be the right time? Probably not, you know, but when that mandate is lifted, you know, and you have the ability to open the doors, I think like that's when it starts to get a little bit safer. But I mean, I think we just need to move forward still with the kind of game plan of like, you're not feeling good. You got to make sure you're staying home. You got to make sure you're staying clean. You got to wash all your stuff. I mean, I personally don't know anybody that has experienced the coronavirus. I don't know anybody that's shown symptoms or anything else like that. I've got a couple of students that are involved in the medical field, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that in terms of the environment that we do a good job of making sure that people don't contaminate each other and get sick. And I don't know when the right time is going to be, whether it's a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but um, you know, it's, it's scary to hear all the rumors and about like, Oh, you can go back to regular business, you know, maybe at the end of the summertime and I don't know how it's going to work out, but um, I don't know when the right time is. I feel like we're just kind of like, we're going to not like blindly do it, which is like, you know, I think this is the right time. Let's just start running with it, you know, and just kind of like take precautions so we don't go back in the same situation. But I hope it's sooner rather than later, but I hope it is when it's appropriate to do. I hope it's not premature at all because I don't want this to get worse. So we just got to get like enough tests for jujitsu people first. Like jujitsu people need to get tested first. Yeah. <laughs> then we can all roll and then everybody can get tested after that. I hear there's like some underground clubs, you know, and they're, they, they, they joke around about saying like, you know, you got to have your testing done before you come in and whatnot, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know. It's, it's tough because I mean, since I've done jujitsu, I know people like come in with sniffles and all of a sudden you're kind of like, Hey man, like don't come in. You're going to get someone sick. And like it either, they got someone sick or they, they stopped showing up, whatever it may be. But like, this is obviously a lot more serious. So, but I mean, it's tough because I think at some point in time, it's like, uh, if this evolves and the vaccines are out in time, you know, it's, there's going to be that little gray area where people have to kind of make decisions and act accordingly until like we can have a vaccine or, you know, guidelines that are a little bit more strong. But I don't, like I said, I don't know. It's scary. Cause I feel like every time we get close to a mandate, they just keep pushing it back. And if that's what's necessary, it's got to be supported. But I mean, like the, the world's falling apart seems like, so I hope uh, it's, it's all for the right purpose. I mean, I'm not going to lie in the beginning, like, you know, a month ago, or I don't even, I've lost track of time, but like er, in mid February, we went to Puerto Rico, had a great trip, but I did not respect the coronavirus at that time. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, and then I started talking to some people like around the world that I knew through jujitsu. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe this thing is for real, you know, like, and we started like investigating it. And so I, I, 
man, a couple weeks ago, I talked to, we did a pop first Zoom podcast like this, and we talked to my friend Daniel Bertina from uh, the Netherlands. And he was like, hey, I got this. You know, I got the coronavirus. And I was like, oh, like that was the first person that I've talked to that had it. And uh, I was like super worried about him today. So I sent him a message. I was like, hey, man, how you doing? I haven't heard back. But um, and then I've recently talked to some friends in New York City. And, and you know, New York City obviously is like pretty crazy. Um, but um, on the positive side, you know, I, I have an eight-year-old daughter um, and she's bummed out because she'd probably rather be in school, you know, but, and I know you have a young child. Yeah. But we've, so we've got to spend some, some cool time together, you know, doing some stuff. Um, are you, you're not in like the, your, your child is pretty young though, two or something. Yeah. She just turned two last month. Yeah. She actually, her birthday was during the mandate, so we couldn't do anything, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, she's two, she's young enough to where like this, she's just a kid. She doesn't know what's going on and she's not really affected. She still gets to run around the house like a maniac and to a degree, you know, like go outside and do her thing, but like, there's no difference for her. So it's, it's nice to see her more often, but we, I see her just as much as if I ever did. I mean, I see her more now because I'm not traveling and doing whatnot. But I mean, yeah, I mean, she's just innocent, you know? Yeah. We're into, uh, you know, we've been thrust and it's, I'm, 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 I actually am considered my job is essential where I, because I have a normal job too. And so I've been working still in a, in a, you know, and it's, it's like a good situation where I'm not near anybody. And, but so my wife is more, in charge of, you know, during the day homeschooling situation, but we've been thrust into homeschooling, you know, third grade. And the te- I'll say this, man, the, the teachers in our school district have done an amazing job of putting together, like, um, some really awesome stuff. But so it's been in a, in a good adventure. Um, we've been listening to, uh, we just listened to the Cricket in Times Square audiobook, which is really good. And today I learned about uh, Monterey Aquarium in, in like Northern California. You can go to their website and they have live cams on like otters and all in jellyfish. And it's awesome. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's definitely, like I said, like we were touching on, it's like, there's a lot of positivity situation, you know, and there's a lot of things that are, only existing now because of what's going on. It's going to impact the future a huge way. But like, that's a, that's a great example, you know, and it's, it's crazy to see, but um, yeah, man, I mean, I hear all the time, like I have got students and I've got their parents and whatnot, but like I hear other people talk about it too. It's just like, Oh, it's a little scary, but like I'm learning new things so I can be able to homeschool my kid. And it's just like, it's, it's an empowering situation. You know, it's very positive, you know, but I'm sure like it's impacting the kids to a degree too, not being able to socialize with their friends and they, they are spending more time with their family. You know, that's the whole purpose of going to school, right? You know, I mean, I'm sure if you wanted to homeschool your child, they wouldn't even be going to school to begin with, you know? So it's, I guess it's nice to experience both and then whatnot. But I mean, kids deserve to be around other kids and experience that life, you know? And it's, it's tough to be like, hey, you got to stay in the house and you can't do that. Um, but um, uh, like I said, I, I hope it doesn't last for too long because like, you know, there's a lot of vital moments for people to experience their childhood, you know? So um, it's coming close to summer and, you know, like the school year is getting almost done, you know, but like, it, it is also cool to be like, you know, I, I sat down and I listened to an audio book with my dad, you know, and that's, that's, that's definitely huge, you know, but there's gotta be that balance of things. And I think it's nice we're experiencing that balance now, you know, and, um, it'll be good to like move forward. I think we're going to have a lot of change with like how people think like 
oh, we couldn't have done this online. We can't do this from home. And all of a sudden it can all be done, you know? So, right. you know, it's, it's a little bit easier now of like, oh, I'm going to take my kid on a vacation for three weeks because I know for sure we can homeschool and we can do things online and they can experience that kind of life, you know? So, um, I'm definitely excited to see how the world is impacted by this in a positive way, you know, and it's, it's going to be huge, but, um, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're, that you're enjoying your time with your family, you know, <laughs> um, but you're still doing your essential work, you know? So, um, it's, it's yeah, a- we're lucky, man. We're in a good, we're in a good spot. Nobody's sick. Like, you know, number one, nobody's sick in our family and, and our, you know, so, that's the most important thing, right? Like, you know, nobody's sick, dude. Like, I, I listen, I don't want to dwell too much on this whole thing because I think it's a serious thing, but also, like, you you know, it's just good to be positive and, and do talk about the stuff that we love. But so I listened to this podcast today, non-jujitsu related, and it was a an Italian guy who lives in Peru, and uh, and he's a travel writer, and while he was in his, both his parents are, you know, 60s, 70s, whatever, something. And both of them died within three days of each other while he was in Peru. And he talks about it and it was just like, bam, heavy and real. And, uh, and so it is a real thing, but you know, hopefully we'll all get through it. Like you said, and we'll all be better and and positivity will, will win the day for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely. Um, how did you like back in the day when how did you get into jujitsu man to start like what was going on that made you be like i want to grapple around in my pajamas with other dudes um i I didn't know what jujitsu was i mean when i started training i was 20 um i was a young egotistical you know i wasn't a book smart kid i wasn't into school um i wasn't like into the whole college thing you know and I was actually adopted like later on in life. Like I was around, I was around like 16 years old or something like that. So, um, my dad is very, very old school. He's super, he's not, he's old. Um, but he's like, went to UPenn, went to Wharton, like stupid smart, owns his own insurance company is all about like, you know, work hard, go to college, create for your family, you know, worked like 3000 hours a week, you know, but, um, I just wasn't into it. You know, I just wasn't who I was, but, um, I was playing professional paintball for like a majority of like my high school career. And I was kind of like starting to fall out of it. I wasn't really into it as much. Um, the passion had left. Um, and my brother, my adopted brother, um, was doing Muay Thai and his academy was starting this jujitsu program. And he's like, you should totally come try this out. I think you'd like it. And I'm just kind of like uh, you know, playing touch button. The park's not really my thing, you know, and I'm not really sure that's going to work out, but, um, I went, I took one class and that was it. And I literally just trained as much as I could, as often as I could. And I just dived right into it. And I sucked really bad, but, um, I just didn't stop. I mean, that was, that was in Philly and that was 2008. Um, where, were, where was the Academy? Uh, it was called body arts gym. So it was literally a Muay Thai gym. It was on second street. It was, it was owned by Angel Cartagena. Um, and their jujitsu program was a balance program. So Rick and Phil Miller-Reese had a brown belt. His name was Sean Smith. And he started the program there and there was only like, my brother started doing it because it was like part of our thing. And then like, we had a mutual friend who we went to high school with and he was doing it as well. But it was, it was a very small program. It was less than like 10 people. Um, and it was just like, everybody was huge. I, I think, I think the next biggest, the next smallest person was maybe 40 pounds heavier than me. And some of the dudes were like 200 pounds. And back then I didn't know there was a difference. He just trained. Um, but, um, 
yeah, it was right. It was right in the heart of Northern Liberties. You know, it was a huge staple. The Angel did a lot with that academy. It impacted a lot of people. Changed lives. You know, and um, yeah. I mean, things just grew from there, and I just kind of started excelling and understanding my goals were changing and shifting and I made some commitments and just the sky was the limit from there. But I mean, that was literally, that was literally actually last month was my 12th year jujitsu anniversary. And I literally, since that day I started training, I just didn't stop, you know, and just kept going. What were your goals then when you started at that place? I started, I didn't really know what it was. So I didn't know what was possible. Um, I just knew like immediately after my first class, you know, this is something I was going to do for my entire life. It's like, this is jujitsu is going to be a part of it somehow, some way. And, um, as I continued to train and people would kind of gas me up a little bit and like, man, you got a lot of potential. You're good. I'm like, yeah, whatever. We're, we're six people in here. How good can I be type of thing? Um, started understanding there was competitions and tournaments and I wanted to test myself and, um, I wasn't really goal, goal oriented yet other than I just wanted to be good at jujitsu. Um, and then once I experienced a higher level jujitsu, I like, I started doing like pro divisions for grapplers quest and I started seeing the IBJJF. I was like, man, okay. Like jujitsu is going to be my career. I want to be, I want to own my own Academy one day. I want to be an instructor one day. Um, and this is how I'm going to do it. You know? So, um, my goal before I even did jujitsu was to have a family, you know? So like, that was always whatever I'm going to do for that was important, you know, but at first it was paintball. Then I went to jujitsu and um, I moved around a lot because of it. So because my goals were shifting and they're becoming more aggressive, I thought I had to be in an environment that was more thriving by my definition. So I bounced all around. I trained with cyborg, head instructor at Drysdale's went to San Diego, you know, so um, they just kind of moved it along as we went. But it wasn't until I was like maybe mid purple belt where I was like, man, like, you know, I need to be a jiu-jitsu world champion. I need to, I need to go to ADCCs. I need to do this, this and that, you know, but for a while it was just fun. And I just wanted to kind of like push the envelope as far as it would go. But once it became serious and it became a job, that's where my goals were really, really strict. And I started fully giving to the lifestyle and just staying focused. When did it become a job? When you went to Drysdale, when you were teaching at Drysdale's? I mean, um, I mean, I was teaching as a blue belt and I taught as a purple belt and I like would teach, I taught in Philly. I taught a little bit for cyborg cause he would travel up, teach seminars. But when I went to, when I went to Las Vegas was when it was like, this is like, this is a, a notch up. I feel like I'm going to be in the right environment and I want to be teaching full time and I want to be training full time. I'm not doing anything. I never, never had a job anyway, but, um, so when I got to Drysdale's, I was just kind of like, this is what we got to do. And we butted head a little heads a little bit at first. Then we got together and like me and him were on the same page. I was his right hand man. I started learning the business. I understood marketing, advertising, how to run into, how to run a business, understand it from a bunch of different situations, the curriculum, the affiliation stuff. And I mean, so that was literally the tail end of my purple belt. And he gave me my brown belt. So this was like 2011, 12 ish, you know? So, I mean, it took me about three or four years before I kind of like was like, I was serious about jujitsu and I was training, but it wasn't something that was as serious. Like that's definitely a huge scale from that point forward. Um, then yes, I mean, from that point forward, it was just like, this is, this is the game plan. And in 2013, I won everything and then started to become more serious, had more sponsors and jujitsu was changing as well. You know, like started teaching seminars and like, that wasn't heard of for Brown belts. And I started to get money, you know, and I was like, this is unheard of too, you know? So the light was at the end of the tunnel. Jiu-Jitsu was evolving, which was great. You know, I was like pursuing an MMA career at the same time simultaneously, but um, that's when it got really serious in Las Vegas. How do you think like Jiu-Jitsu since you started has changed? Um, I mean, 
I think because of technology, especially like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be, is that you're seeing almost like an, an instantaneous ability for, for, mod, for like modernizing anything that takes place. So uh, let's say me and you were in Brazil 10 years ago, whatever it may be, and we see this technique and it was new to us, you know, but someone was like, hey, I just learned this from someone else. I was traveling like word of mouth takes a lot longer 10 years ago for jujitsu. So uh, and because you don't have flow grappling or whoever it is live streaming the events, you're not seeing a lot of these matches take place. You're not seeing the techniques, the breakdowns, whatever the analysis, whatever it may be. But I think jujitsu in terms of an MMA, but because of, because it went more mainstream and because of technology, people were able to access information more efficiently, you know, and with that ability, people were getting better faster. So, I mean, to be a 19 year old black belt, 10 years ago, i.e. JT Torres, right? If you took JT Torres as a 19-year black belt then, and then you had a JT Torres 19-year-old black belt now, I'm pretty sure the 19-year-old now would kill that one just because of the amount of information that's out, right? So the game just evolves now so at such a more rapid pace, and the world can keep up with it because of the sharing capabilities. But I mean, like if you watch the meows at Purple Belt doing Baron Bolos and modernizing it and revolutionizing it, no one really knew about it until it was already too late, and they became so good at it that now you're trying to catch up and now you see one thing and all of a sudden it catches fire and it's gone, you know? So for me, like that's the biggest change in jujitsu. And because of that, obviously it became more of a higher ability to monetize and had more value. So people were putting more into it, but I think that's what sparked it. I think that was like the major, a major um, attribute for what jujitsu was then compared to now. I almost feel like it evolves so fast now because even when I started, like, you know, you could get like information from Scott Nelson and on the mat or whatever. And like, it was almost like in Budo videos, like in those two things are kind of like not even things anymore. Right. They've almost, they, they came in, right. And they became almost phased out because of more modern approaches, whatever it may be and flow grappling and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge change. They were, they were huge. Like, you know, like I would get, like you would order a gi from uh, on the mat and they give you like the videos and you'd see like all these old videos. And uh, and now I feel like in some ways it's almost like the thing, the internet has, and it's awesome. Like I love to be able to watch jujitsu videos and, uh, but it's, it seems like there's a downfall. It can be like it evolves too fast and like people can just get too much information. It's like hitting it with a fire hose, you know? I mean, it's, it's, I definitely agree with you. I think because uh, in terms of who we are and how we grew up in jujitsu, it's kind of like, oh man, like it's definitely outside of our comfort zone. Right. But I mean, I think that's what it's like with any sport that grows, you know, what, whatnot. But I mean, you have, you have kids now that are, that are doing the techniques or the concepts that perhaps you and I were doing, they were doing them years before we were doing them. Right. We're kind of like as a, as a dad and a grandpa, like, Hey, like, <laughs> down right you know but i mean i like i'll go to a i'll go to a seminar and i'll teach and some i'll roll with people and like there'll be a juvenile blue belt and the kid can baron bolo that equivalent of a brown belt and you're like man you got a really good baron bolo but absolutely has no understanding of anything else doesn't understand guard retention doesn't understand the ability to like uh, control the bottom leg doesn't understand how to like this specific mindset of controlling this one position because there's so much information and because of the ability of how he can access it, he's not guided in accessing it. He kind of picks and chooses what he wants to do. So he wants to bear in bolo, you know? So I definitely do agree. I think to a degree it's dangerous, you know? I mean, 
it's it kind of almost be like going to college and not having a professor and just being like here's all the information and we'll see you at the end of four years and we'll give you a test you know so um but it's tough because i think that's part of the evolution you know you see like the good and the bad and what we agree and disagree with but i mean the kids now are better than the kids were then and i think you know the the new generation is absolutely ridiculous you look at the rotulo brothers you know like purple belts that literally beat up black belts, grown men, men that are ADCC veterans, medalists, and world champions. And, and th- at some point in time, they're going to be the old generation because of their, their time frame, you know, but um, it, it's definitely interesting to see. I definitely think the access to information is almost like it's anybody can get it at the way that it's structured. You know, it's definitely tough. I definitely spend a decent amount of information time sharing with my students. Like, Hey, like there's so much out there and you should definitely learn it, but understand how you should learn those things. It's back to you greatly, you know, but not everybody has the ability to kind of have that kind of a conversation before they go in and learn, you know, but to each their own, it's all going to create an impact, but it's not really my point of view because they're not my students or, I mean, if I could go back and do it, I'd probably do the same thing. Like I just want to bolo. Sure. You know, I don't know. Oh dude, I, that's, i say it from experience because I just jump into the whole thing and I'm like, Oh, look at this, look at this thing over here. Look at this thing over here. Like, Oh, this is amazing. But you know, you bring up a cool, like, you know, the Rutolo brothers, the, the fact that those guys are still doing it and they're still awesome is, makes me so happy because when you see kids, and I don't know them, you know, but when you see kids that, like, maybe are getting famous when they're young, sometimes I get nervous because you're like, man, I hope that, like, you know, you see childhood actors or whatever, and, man, it's like you can really easily go down the dark road. But it seems like those guys are still super into it and are doing well. Their, their environment not like the Atos environment, but like their home environment, their parents are amazing people. Their, their, their understanding of things, how they like, how they guide their children is like, that's why the brothers and their little sister are the way that they are. You know, like you got a very particular lifestyle. They're incredibly humble. They're incredibly respectful. I literally have witnessed, I've partook in, in terms of the opposite side of the spectrum, but seen them murder black belts that go into Atos. And you would literally, from my point of view, if I was, a, if I was, I, cause I, that was me. If I was a young blue belt and I just tapped a black belt, my, my head would be blown up off the top of my shoulders. I, I'm just looking at my instructor like, Hey, like when's the next belt type of thing. And like these kids will literally shake your hand and say, thank you. And they appreciate you. And like, they're very, very, different in a sense of they're great human beings but it's it's all because of their of their of their parents you know their parents did a great job they're incredibly supportive and how they've how they've raised them i guess you could say but i i remember having students that i would go to california with from las vegas and they would fight they they would fight the twins and i've seen them experience losing i've seen them experience winning and they literally you couldn't even tell a difference unless you watch because they handle the same way you know and it's great to see them be such leaders for, for that generation, you know, but, um, they're, they're, they're great human beings. Like literally if you, if I would let them babysit my daughter, you know, like they're, they're great human beings and on and off the mat, they're amazing people. And like, they're literally going to continue to shock the world for the next decade. Hands down. Awesome. So man, people don't, I feel like people don't know maybe, but like Philly is old school and was like, kind of like a hotbed of jujitsu back in the day. Like, the Migliorese brothers, Steve Maxwell and Max Size and Jared and, and the whole, like, you know, it's crazy how much old school jujitsu there was. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's still like here, which is great. Like Rick and Phil have 
an amazing program. They've got very successful academies, multiple academies, affiliates, you know, um, Jared's the same way, like Jared's Academy still, I think, don't misquote me, but like Jared, I think they just had their anniversary like last week. I mean, like these academies have been here for literally like decades, plural, like two, you know? So, um, but I mean like, yeah, jujitsu in Philly is very traditional. It's very like, you know, it's got that old school vibe, you know, like that's why I love Jared. Jared was one of my instructors, you know, and like I'm drawn to him because he's just kind of like, you know, like this is how we do things. It's very Philly. Philly is very, when you like, experience philly you go to a flyers game or something like that or like you're you order a cheesesteak philly has this character that is literally like you almost hate it if you're if you if you have to face it but when you have it you're very proud of it you know and like you can see that with sports and the fans and whatnot and they're a bit crazy but the jiu-jitsu is the same way everybody's very like proud of philadelphia being from philly you know but like the people here have literally have had black belts. I mean, I think Phil is like a five or six stripe black belt and he's still doing yoga, still teaching, still interacting with students. And I'm just like, it's a dude I look up to, you know, it's a great guy, you know, and Rick and him do a great job. Rick is a monster. Like that dude could go into IBJJF right now. And I think he would kill a lot of people, different story. But to see, to see them be such a, such a strong part of like the, the, the foundation of jujitsu in Philadelphia, you know, it's huge, you know, cause at some point in time they were all like boys and teammates. Then they kind of started to separate make, made their own like academies and whatnot. And I mean, for the most part, like there's no real waves in Philadelphia. Everybody's very respectful towards each other. Cause I mean, you can draw a, a, a five mile radius circle around Philadelphia and you'll hit, you know, six or seven different academies and not like affiliate academies, like a Gracie Humaita, uh, an Atos affiliate balance, you know, like you've got like different things and, Nobody, nobody make, makes waves. Nobody's doing any black hack marketing. Everybody's just really supportive and it's really cool. You know, it's something that I haven't experienced too much of in other parts of the country because I've been there and I've taught there and I've experienced it, you know, but like, I think because it's really, really old, it's experienced a lot. So it's kind of, even though maybe it has a more traditional approach of problem solving, it has a lot of experience behind it, a lot of like a veteran type of mentality. It's kind of like, we've been through it. Like this is, this is how we get through it type of thing. So it's cool. But, um, it's, it's, it's great to be here. It's great to start my journey here and end it here, which is nice, you know, and it's, I couldn't be more proud to be Philadelphia jujitsu. You ever, uh, you ever get a hard time back in the day when you were moving around, you know, like changing teams and that whole thing where people giving you a hard time. Uh, Called a crianche many times, you know, and, um, a lot of people, but you know what I think, it wasn't really about what I was doing. I think to take responsibility was how I was delivering the information. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't very mature. I wasn't able to clearly communicate, you know, what I want, what I was expecting. So like, it was really tough for people to probably be supportive of that, you know, and I kind of did it multiple times and each time I did it a little bit different, but it was definitely frowned upon, you know, to be jumping around and Philadelphia back in the day had a very strong Lloyd Irvin uh, affiliate program. Right. So like Jared was Lloyd Irvin uh, you had multiple academies that were lawyer and you had Brad Dadas that were lawyer Irvin, but it was, you could kind of like train and cross train with other lawyer reflates, which made it helpful, you know, and this is how like JT and I became so close, you know, but um, it, yeah, I mean, once I would move, like some people I didn't even know would be like, man, you're a creanche, you're a trader. And I'm just kind of like, uh, okay. You know, like you pay my bills this month. No, I'm like, oh, well listen, Bob white belt who sits on his chair, 45 years old. I really don't care, you know, but you still see it now, you know, like when the information gets out there, people have their opinions and it's really tough, but I never had like 
Jared or Cyborg or Drysdale like, look at me and be like, yo, you're a traitor. You're a creant, you know, like I think because they were uh, athletes and they understood, you know, being an athlete, you know, like it's possible you may switch teams and most of them already did, you know, so they kind of get it, you know, and I probably didn't deliver, like I said, the information the best way, but I've got a strong relationship with every instructor that I've ever had, you know, and I can call them, I can text them, I can go train with them and there's, there's no negative type of uh, poise against me with it. And they're very supportive, like still to this day, which is great, you know? So, but it's a lot of the creanch thing, the trader thing came, comes from the outside, not even my own teammates to a degree, a couple of them I could see like, depending on what their goals were, like it impacted them a lot. But other than that, it was just always outside people. Like when I, when I left Drysdale's and, and I went to, to San Diego and like, it's posted about like, I, I got like death threat messages from people. I'm like, man, like it's jujitsu. What are you talking about? Like not a big deal. You know, like, I left the team like Rob's not mad. Why are you mad? You know, like, but you're going to get it from everybody. And that see, I mean, and I think one positive thing is, is, I mean, it does still exist, but there, I feel like jujitsu is way more open now. Yeah. Uh, and I love that personally, you know, because I like to travel around and train with everybody. Um, I think it definitely depends on like, I think jujitsu now is especially to, like you're be able to be identified as something like a hobbyist, an athlete, an instructor, a competitor, whatever it may be. So it's a little bit different, you know, but like a lot of the athletes now they're able, you're able to see like, Oh, this is a little more of a serious sport, you know, like, yes, you represent a team. There's a patch on your back and there's points, whatever it may be. But like, I mean, LeBron James gets traded to a different team, you know, like these things happen, you know? And, um, I think, I think now it's definitely more mainstream. It's easier to be like, Hey, like, yeah, I train it, I train at GB, but like, I'm, tr- I, I'm here with my family on a business trip. Can I stop and train? Like, yeah, no problem. You know, like you're still going to hit, you're still going to hit those moments of where like there's resistance, you know, because that's just how it is. It's not going to be, you know, like, Oh, okay. Just change the floodgates. But it's nice to have that. It's nice to have that globetrotter mentality. It's nice to be able to meet friends. It's nice to be able to like oh man remember we train like i still talk to people my affiliation has been built on the fact that i went and taught seminars and met people you know so like if everybody had that closed mind they'd just be cheating themselves and be able to have these relationships with people and it's huge you know you talk about like daniel and like oh i reached out to him and like it was a huge impact in this situation right like you probably want to know daniel unless it was for the globe trotter camp right so like you know like i mean it's it's great that jiu-jitsu has definitely evolved and it's going to continue to evolve like because of guys like Christian with globe trotters and stuff like that, you know, and, but there's always going to be those people that are very old school mentality that are speaking broken, bad English grammar. And they're just kind of like, you're a traitor, you know, like that's it, you know, and you're kind of like, okay, thanks. You know, but I don't think you see it as much now and it's great. And I think we'll see even, even less of it later, but I mean, it's important. It's a tribe, it's a community, you know, like we all wear different patches, but we we're also wearing a gi, you know? So I think it's important. We just kind of keep that and we, continue to grow with things like black belts for butterflies and tap cancer outs and stuff like that, because that's what starts to like, you know, erase that line of why we're separate and brings us more together. Yeah. Because like you said, man, really, I mean, I love jujitsu and it's, and it's important in my life, but it is just jujitsu, you know? (laughs) I can't imagine me telling you like, Oh, you're like, Hey, I'm going to go away. No, you can't train while you're there. Yeah. Pardon? Like, excuse me? Like, no, I can't do it. It's just like, I knew that it's how it was at some point in time, you know? But like, it's just like, I just, man, I just, I, I don't understand it. Probably, it's probably because I've created so many waves when I was younger, but I, I, I don't understand the traditional mentality, you know? And like, 
And especially at that age back then where you told me I couldn't do something, even if I didn't want to do it, I would do it purposely now just because you told me I couldn't do it, you know? But I mean, there's just, there's jujitsu as a whole, the people, I would say like to assume the best of them, like they're great people, like, you know, and like, I've literally met friends that don't even speak English being in Rome, competing and being like, Oh, Hey, like, can I train? They're like, no words. And they're like jujitsu. And you're like, yeah, that's the language we both speak. Right. Like, it's just crazy. Like it's, it's everything, but it's not a big deal at the same time. Like, don't make it a big deal. You know, like when it comes to passion, like you should be able to do whatever you want. If you can't, like there's, it's great though. Cause that's an indicator. Like, you know, like what's going on here? Why can't I train somewhere else? You know, but it's definitely yeah, tough. Like, what are you hiding? Like, what are you hiding? You know, <laughs> what, what don't you want me to see? You know, and it's, right. well, what are you worried? Like, what kind of weird insecurity do you have? Like that, that, that is a thing, you know? And so, yeah, that has turned, like, that turned out to be one of my favorite things is that you can go, you know, and I've done it. I've gone to places wherever you name it, you know, places in Mexico, places all over the U S went and trained with people, met the people at the Academy and be like, Hey, I'm from out of town. They're like, Oh, let me show you like this, my town, you know? And next thing you know, you know, you're doing this stuff. And then next thing you know, you're, you're going to black belts for butterflies and, and being absolutely like, you know, I haven't been to a Black Belts for Butterflies where I haven't cried. Exactly. Yep. It's like, it's amazing. You know, those things are amazing. That's huge to me, for sure. And I think that's, like I said, it, that's, that's a key aspect of understanding that it's, it's a community. It's a tribe, you know, and like, you can't, you're, I guess it's tough to say because it's the same thing from the opposite perspective, but like, you can't tell people they can't do it, you know, like. But I guess you can because that's just the same thing from the opposite side of the spectrum. But, like, there's just so much beauty to jiu-jitsu of, like, you're only cheating yourself if you don't experience it all. You know, like, I'm not saying run around and, and do something that's, like, definitely bad. You know, like, hey, I'm not going to pay my tuition here. I'm not going to pay my tuition there. I'm just going to run around and jump around or do whatever else like that. But, like, to some degree, like, I think it's very healthy to experience multiple different environments and, and be, like, I love this about this one. I don't like it about that one. And that's why I enjoy this one more, whatever it may be. But like, it's gotta, it's gotta be remaining in a, in a progressive type of positive way. And it's tough, you know, but I understand it from both sides. I've been there from both sides, you know, so it's definitely something that's tough, but I think the Jiu-Jitsu community deals with it well, you know, and it's like great to see, we had a lot of people at the Connecticut black belts for butterflies, right? Like there was like, Gi people, no gi people, 10th planet, regular people, um, competitors, non-competitors, right? Show your role in A and P. And then like, it's like, nobody cares, right? It's just like, we're all here together. Like all those things that make us different get, go away. It's like, what do we focus on that brings us together? You know? And it's like it, the fact that we can literally raise money by using an event like Black Belts for Butterflies for a great cause is only because of that type of understanding, you know, like you couldn't have done that 10 years ago with jiu-jitsu. It never would have, it never would have happened because someone would be like, Oh no, we don't train there. We don't go over there. We don't support that. And it's like, what about the cause? No, it's like, man, I, they can't know my techniques. They might use them against me. It's like, oh, okay, sure, man. Like again, right? Go on YouTube. Like, well, there's all the techniques. So now I guess we can go, right? It's like, man, there's just there's no secrets anymore. It's just like, just do jujitsu. You're either good or you're not. You know, if that's what's important to you, you're literally good or you're not good. And if it's not important to you, just do jujitsu. Just have fun. You're cool or you're not. Like you know, which then it. It's no one cares, man. It's just, just go. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it's, there's so much there potentially for people. Like, you know, and it's, it's one thing if they selectively don't take it, but when, when someone gives the power to someone else of being able to choose for them, that's what's sad, you know, and it's, 
it's only natural because the whole hierarchy system and the power of the black belt and whatever that means. But, you know, I hope, I hope that fades out as well at some point in time. Right. Because it's just like, right. I mean, just, I mean, something you learn or, and you know, just because someone's good at jujitsu doesn't mean they're good at anything else. Period. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and it's, so a thing that I think, you know what I think I've gotten out of jujitsu really too, has been like, uh, the ability to like not be afraid to try, you know, new stuff now and realize that like doing new stuff like is, is, is awesome, you know, and sucking at like, cause you know, you do enough jujitsu you, when you start, maybe you're like, Oh, it's uncomfortable. And I'm like nervous. And, but then it becomes super normal. And like, it's more normal for me to be on the mat than anywhere else. So I'm not going out of my comfort zone usually when I'm training because I've been crushed by it all you know i've had my ass kicked by everybody that's good so that but then i was like oh but i could like learn how to play guitar you know and uh and so you go and you suck at that and like you remember you know you're like oh this is what it's like to suck at something like damn and so that is a gift i've gotten from jujitsu you know i mean i think a lot of people like understand that too like going back to being a student type of thing you know like I think everybody has their own reason for jiu-jitsu, whether it's tribe or going back to that mentality of just wanting to learn, self-defense, getting in shape, be a competitor, whatever it may be. But, like, I mean, I think jiu-jitsu, I mean, because I don't really do much, I haven't done much, but, like, jiu-jitsu definitely checks your ego. It's like, hey, man, like, you know, let's pull you out of this. Let's put you into this way. Like, use this to apply. Like, I'm sure you hear it all the time from people that are, like, I, I have students who literally say, like, man, like, if it wasn't for jiu-jitsu, like, I probably – would have not gotten this raise that I demanded for like two months ago, you know? And like, you know, I used to be scared to like talk to certain people at my job, you know, but now I'm like, I come here and like, this dude's trying to choke me. Like, you know, like I'm like, yeah, it's it puts things in a perspective, you know, but it's definitely nice to kind of like, everybody's got a different take on it. My take is like jujitsu makes you realize how, how like how <laughs> insignificant and small we really are, you know, like, like the world doesn't change whether I'm here or not, you know? And it's like, maybe my jiu-jitsu is good. Maybe it's bad. No one really cares. It doesn't mean anything, you know? And it's like, like, Oh, I'm not, I don't want to get tapped. And it's like, no one cares if you do either. You know, it's just like, man, like just give yourself to it and like, see what it does. Like, it's like so powerful, you know? And it's like, once you realize that, like I literally tell people like, dude, just let go, just let go, whatever it is. And some people are far left and far in, just let go. And then all of a sudden just, and it blows up but i mean it's it's nobody does really care right like it it's like we can get in our own little bubble and like surrounded by other jujitsu people and we get all like you know excited about little jujitsu things but even though jujitsu has grown a lot it's still not very big and most people don't know who what atos is or you know a guillotine or you know or whatever the thing you know baron bolo like you could say that to how many billions of people and they'd be like baron what yeah, you know, um, I think it's like it, it's we're definitely like our biggest critics, and I think that's why like jujitsu is great too, because like the last person to break is yourself, you know, whatever it may be. But like, I mean, I as a competitor, literally at the beginning, I would say like half of my career, my competitive angst, my motivation was to kind of prove people wrong, right? And then I was like, okay, cool. And then I had a I had a, a nice chunk where I was trying to prove people right. Uh -huh chunk at the end where I was just kind of like what's left to prove you know and it's just like I would watch videos of Marcelo I'd watch videos of Andre I'd watch videos of anybody who's anybody in jiu-jitsu 
and they all lose. And I tell myself like, I'm not as good as Andre, but like, I can't lose. And it's like, well, Andre lost, you know? And it's like, and then you, you see, like you watch your teammates lose or they get submitted and you watch to see how Andre's going to respond to them. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, nothing changed. He didn't get kicked off the team. What happened here? You know? And it's like, you start to realize like, you know, the people that you're perhaps scared of letting down or judging you or whatever the mentality is behind it. Is they're more worried about your character than your ability to display your jujitsu skill or lack thereof. Right? Like, man, I've gone out there and I've like demolished people in front of Andre and I look at him, he's just kind of like, all right, you know? And then I've gone out there and I've gotten demolished and I look at him, he's just like, I'm like, there's no difference. Like why? And it's just because I'm displaying the same character every time, right? Like, and that's what he's looking for. And when he's not happy with that, he tells me, you know, like if he said like, hey, uh, I only like you if you win, we would probably have a huge problem. He probably would not like me anymore, right? You know, like it's just tough, you know, but he's when you meet people and you're, they're part of your tribe and your circle, like they, yes, they want you to succeed. They want you to grow, but like, they don't care if you win or lose. My wife's not standing there on the mat being like, Oh, I saw you got swept. Like, that's it. It's over. I'll be like, wait, what? what's going on? You know, like nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like literally, like I look around sometimes and I'm, I try to see who's watching and nobody cares. Nobody's watching, you know, like, but it's tough. I mean, like I said, we're our, we're our biggest critic, you know, and like we're always watching, you know, and that's, I think that's the thing, you know, so it's just about getting aligned with people and just realizing like, Hey, like, yeah, it'd be great. If you not, if you don't lose, you don't get tapped, you don't get swept, you don't get passed. Like, you know, if it happens, like we don't care, you know, it's, all right, maybe that makes it easier, but sometimes the pressure makes you not get those things happen. You know, and I understand that from both sides as a competitor. I was like, man, go to sleep. Don't get tapped, go to sleep, you know? And because I didn't tap and I was about to go to sleep, the guy let go and then I win, you know? And I'm like, man, if I just would have tapped, I would have lost. Right. You know? So like, it's, I see it from both sides, but I think one side's a little more healthy, you know, one side's more beneficial, but nobody cares. That's what the, nobody cares. Tell yeah. me like, man, like what's up? I'm like, Oh, I suck. I'm like, okay. You know, we all do. Yeah. I'm like, man, like you, so everybody does. Yeah. But like, you don't I'm like, dude, I suck. Right. I suck. And I'm like, if we want to compare, I've been doing it for a lot longer than you. So like talk to me and compare us when you've been doing it for 12 years. And then you'll see that I suck too. I'll just suck less now because I've been doing it for another 12. Right. And like, oh, okay. Got it. You know, but jujitsu is brutal. It's like, so, cause there's so much, it's so concentrated that like the hits are hard, good, strong, bad, whatever it may be. But yeah, it's crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. There's something we always say too, to like new people, like, it's like, and then you're talking about it, right? With tapping. It's like, dude, how many, you know, every black belt you've ever met has tapped more than, than you know, you, the blue belt guy who don't want to tap. Like, that dude has tapped. And I, I me, I've tapped a bazillion times. Like, you've got to tap a lot to get to that spot. If you, you know, if you want to, and I think if you want to do it for your life, right, for your whole life, uh, you've got to tap. you got to, you know, you're not going to do it for your life if you don't. I think there's any, like, you know, uh, fire, f- like along the side of the fire stories where it's like, there's this guy who never tapped. Like there's, there's nothing like that. There's no, there's no urban legend or anything else like that. Like I said, like it's, but it's tough, you know, because, but I have seen, like I said, I have seen certain people and you know, and their, their mentality is like, Oh, like I got swept. Like, Oh, I got passed. I got submitted, you know? And it's like, and like, you can't tell them like, Hey, like you should care more. Right. But, you know, it's about what are your goals? Right. And it's like, they're like, Hey, like, 
I'm just here to have fun and I'm having fun. And it's like, do it right. You know, like, but if I look over and my guy's like, Hey, I want to compete, you know? And then like, I see him give up a sweep. I'm like, why'd you do that? And then like, he explains why. And I'm like, okay, well like now we're on the same page. Like because of your goals and what you just said, like that was a bad thing to do. Like you can't accept that. Right. Like, yes, it's okay, but you can't accept it. Right. Like, but it's tough because there's so many different people with so many different thought processes, but it's like, it's going to have to, you have to fail. It's got a consistent understanding of like not failure, like end game, but like failing to create success. Because like when you run away from just failing at all, like you're, you're never going to succeed, you know? But I mean, it's, it's, it's funny to watch. Cause I knew I went through it. You went through it. Right. It was just like, Oh man, I don't want to get beat up today. Or like, I already got beat up. I don't want to get beat up anymore. And you're like, trying so hard and it still doesn't work, you know, and you're like, gosh, should I suck? You know, it's- I still go through it, man. You know what I mean? I go back and forth. Like I'll be, I'll have to, I like some, it's not, sometimes I talk to myself, like I'm talking to someone, you know, it's like, dude, cause I'll be like, what, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, and then I'm like, dude, just relax. Like, it's not a big deal. And then I'll be like, no, it's a big deal. You know, I gotta, I have a little battle between myself. So, cause I am competitive too. You know, I'm a competitive. Yeah. You know, like shut up. Like, no, you talk now. I get it. Well, it's, I think it's healthy to be competitive, right? You know, like, but I, you've got, you've got the experience to kind of like, you've got that, that experience to where like, when you had that conversation back and forth, the, the end result would never be quitting, you know, for a young person, for someone who's newer to jujitsu, sometimes that end result is a quit because of it, you know, and it's like, it's great that you can be like, Hey, like I still go through this. I can still talk to you about it. I do it all the time with me. You know, like it gives people that understanding of like, Oh, I'm not alone. Right. Like, no, hundred percent. It's natural. You're a human being. And maybe that, maybe that's the lesson of jujitsu, right? Is that failing is not a bad thing if you don't quit, right? I haven't done anything. I haven't experienced anything ever in my life, whether it was school, relationships, paintball, jujitsu, MMA, where it's just like, hey, don't fail at all in any shape, way, or form. It's just, it's just like I've never experienced it. And like, I'm not, I'm not the best at jujitsu. I'm not the best at being an instructor. I'm not the best at running an academy. I'm not the best dust. So like my opinion probably doesn't have as much value, but I wouldn't be, I, I definitely think that in terms of who I am today and the character I can display and, and the, the, the talents that I have are more so built from the failure side than it is from the success side, you know? So like in actuality, I should have failed even more. I'd be better than I am now in those things, you know, but you can't go back in time. I wish we could, but. You just got to keep going forward and just kind of like understand that process and just growing, but it's just about patience. So I was talking to this guy, Daniel, who I was telling you about, and he's, he's living in outside of Amsterdam and he's, he's, you know, he's like my friend Nelson calls him a hippie. He's like, uh, he's making bread and he's making kombucha where all these stuff. So I was like, Oh man, maybe I'll like, maybe I'll make some bread. And so I, I, he sent me like this thing, a sourdough bread where you make it. And it's like, but you don't use yeast and it's like naturally occurring yeast. And so I'm like, I'll make the bread, dude. It's not going to be a big deal, you know? And uh, man, I've had some struggles with the bread. Right. And so like I'm failing, you know, and, but I, but I didn't quit. I was like, man, I'm, I'll figure the bread thing out, you know? And my daughter, she's like making it with me. And, you know, I told her the other day, I was like, we'll have bread maybe six months, but we'll have bread. Hundred percent. I mean, it's it's what it's all about, right? It's just like it's, there's just so many. It's I think as human beings, it's natural. Like especially if you're persistent, we're just kind of like I'll figure it out, right? Like I was never a guy that read directions or instructions. I'm just like I'll figure this shit out, you know. And it's just like 
didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, work. Look, the, the, the couch is put together, you know, like it worked, you know, like it probably went on for five or six hours longer than it had to, you know, whatever it may be. But it's like going into a video game and not playing the, the tutorial, you know, and you're just kind of like learning it how to play and then you get better as it go and you realize you can do better, whatever it may be. But like the whole point is like the, the experience and becoming the person that you are is by kind of being like, yeah, like we don't have it now, but we'll have it in six months, you know, and the, the time spent with your daughter and the amount of learning that you did and the feeling that you did is the, the bread. It may not even taste great, at <laughs> you know, but like, you're like, man, like we're making progress. That's what it's all about. You know, like I like Daniel a lot. Like I was supposed to teach at a, uh, at a Globetrotter and he like reached out to me and like we were having conversations. Like, this dude's a cool dude. I didn't tell him that I was trying to play my card school, you know, but like it's a really cool dude. He's a great guy, you know, so um I, that's that was, funny you know him man i didn't know you knew him it's, when you said and i was like i was like cause i remember his last name was i didn't know how to pronounce it, it bertini or Bert, bertina or whatever it was but really cool guy you know like the, the conversations that i have them are very they're not crazy not astronomical but like literally a guy i'd never met before i don't remember the constant conversation i'm sure you like watch videotape or something of me but like I guess Christian told him that he, I was coming he was going to teach alongside him at an event and he reached out to me no other no other instructor did and he's just like, hey, what's up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, man, like, I mean, this, this is like college right now. Like, are we going to be best friends? Like, you're going to be my wedding 10 years from now? Like, the dude was just that cool, you know? Like, you talk about, like, again, like, the jiu-jitsu community has so much potential for great people. Like, the dude doesn't have to talk to me. doesn't give me the time of day, let alone go out of his way to be able to have conversations with me. And I didn't even need him. It was over a computer, you know? So, I mean, like, I'm sure I could go there and he'd be like, oh, man, like, let me show you around, wherever it may be. But, like... That's jujitsu, man. It's crazy. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about this bread and trying it out when you figure it out. So, Oh, dude. So let me tell you. Yeah, the bread. So I did exactly what you said. I went like 10 days in. I, I, like, I watched the YouTube thing he sent me. And I was like, all right, I got this. And, uh, and it was started off well. And then I started hitting some, some roadblocks. And I, but I kept, you know, I got a hard head. And I kept, I'm like, I'll get it. I'll get it. And then uh, I, I sent a message to somebody else. I was like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, I'm struggling with this bread thing. And uh, this guy is in Seattle. He's like, he, you know, he asked me all these other questions. I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. So then I went back and I looked at the instructions, basically. And I was like, all right, maybe I got to get more technical. And so I, like, followed the instructions. And then, man, it was like, bam, the bread, like, it, the bread is back. <laughs> if only you did exactly how I told you to do it, it would have been in the first, I mean, that's just what, but like it's the experience of going through all that shit before you get back to it again, right? Like that's great, you know. Like, it, it makes good stories, man. You know, it, like imagine if you were like Daniel sent me this recipe for bread and I made it. Yeah, just happened. Was real good. It was good, but you're like, man, I was making this in the kitchen for months. Couldn't <laughs> figure it out. I had to have other conversations. You know, like it became a thing. Like that's huge. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's it's like life. a worldwide thing, dude. I'm bringing people in from all over the world to t- get this one loaf of bread made. Yeah, but now, now you're like a world class, world renowned bread maker, right? You know, like you're a baker. All of a sudden, people are like, "Man, this bread is amazing," and you're like, "Yep, best bread, in, best bread, in, best bread in the game." You know, like yeah. awesome. Did you tell Dan came out and everything else like that? Yeah, okay. Black belt bread, man. There you go. Man, that's it. That's huge. Start sending <laughs> little pieces of bread, like just like a loaf of bread or a cut of bread, you know, like a, like a nice little stamp on it or something like that. It's perfect. You were here first. Connecticut. It's not there to be mad. <laughs> I'm going to get the bread. The bread thing is close, man. We're close now. 
It's funny though. Like, so a couple years ago, I don't know. I decided, I was like, man, all these people like keep getting put. And this is kind of another thing I got through jujitsu too, was like, it's like people like keep getting like the universe putting these people in my path. And like, sometimes I wasn't taking advantage of it, I think, because of fear or other stuff, you know? And so I decided, I was like, I'm going to start doing this stuff, you know, that frightens me or, you know, like the podcast, like the, the Riddler who you met earlier. I told him what I was like, yeah, I'm going to start doing stuff that like, you know, scares me, I guess. And he's like, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, sure. What the hell's a podcast? And uh, never heard one before. And so we started doing it. But, but that's how I met Daniel. Like my friend, you know, Nelson uh, from Inverted Gear. He, he's like, hey, you want to like do this thing for Inverted Gear? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll do it, whatever you want. And, uh, and so he's like, this guy will call, you know, this guy Daniel will interview you. And I was like, cool, man. So it was this for Daniel Bertina. And, and during the interview, it was so cool. I was like, hey, would you be on my podcast? And he's like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we did, we did a podcast. And then, like, I, I, don't, I talked and, we, and we, I didn't hear from him for a while. And then the coronavirus thing came up and he sent me a message. He's like, hey, I got a lot of free time now. You want to do it now? I was like, man, I actually do too. And so, so we sat down for two hours and did the podcast, and uh, and now it's funny. I'm talking to you, and you know him too. Small world, it's great. Even Nelson, like I know Nelson. Nelson's a cool dude too. His wife is cool. You know, like they're good people. Train with them. Shot shot the stories with them. But like they're good people. It's the jitsu community. You know, like it's nice to hear like how you're talking about like trying to do things that scare me. You know, like that's wow, wow. She's not happy at all. <laughs> now, Andrea, remember Christian? <laughs> he was at he was at Black Belts for Butterflies and I was the Uki. No idea. You don't remember? Okay. How are you enjoying your time home from school? Not really. Figured, man. You don't like you don't like learning stuff with dad and mom? He's not home. What about the what about the aquarium? Okay, I like that. <laughs> what about the bread? No. What about the bread? Is the bread good or bad? Yes. <laughs> What are you doing? There's snacks. We're gonna meet Christian again because I think we're gonna go visit him for the next Black Belts for Butterflies. Only if you want to come. You don't have. To. It's up to you, but it'll be fun. Is, is that? Uh, I feel like I saw Rich post that it's gonna be at your place. Um, if he did, I didn't know about it. Um, we've been. T- it's. It's definitely. Um, I'll. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have it. I don't know what's going on now because of the coronavirus thing. It's gonna get pushed. Um, I was to be hosting the Black Belts or Butterfly event. I was doing a lot of coordinating with him, and we were talking about it, told him who the instructors would be. We went back and forth like that. So, like, logic is to be hosting Black Belts for Butterflies. It was supposed to be in the summertime, so it's going to impact things. Rich and I have been talking pretty consistently for the past couple of weeks, which is nice, you know. So hopefully once we see the light at the end of the tunnel, we'll kind of, like, rekindle that flame and see, like, where we're going with it, you know. But... I'm sure, too, to a degree, a lot of this is going to be impacting people financially. So I'm not sure how, how many people are going to be quick to jump on going back to training again, doing seminars, helping people with foundations. So I kind of leave that business side to like him and Tony, and like they'll make that decision if they want to do it or if they want to change the date or whatnot. But um, we'll see from there. But yes, at this point in time, it's, it's, it's I haven't heard it's, we're not doing it, but you know we're a few months away. But definitely more than welcome to bring the whole family. It'd be a good time. Oh heck yeah! We travel as a as a squad, man. 
it, you you will have a blast and super super relaxed, very comfortable environment. So even if they came to the academy and they just want to hang out, there's TVs, there's there's the ability, there's a cafe down there, everything. So like your wife could be like, I'll go, but I'm not going to be near you, and she would have a great time. It'd be great, you know. Wow, so. She she try, uh, she's you know super awesome purple belt like competitor, um, she, and she's good, man. There you go. There you go. So she's like, no, I'm, you know. The same thing with your daughter. She's like, you know what? I'll hang out over here. Cool, do your thing, you know. So it'll be good. But hopefully, yeah. you know. But we'll see what happens. Right. Andrea trains. Um, you know, I, I she trains a couple times a week. And but usually, the cool thing is usually we bring her to different places, and there's always another kid that she gets to play with. You know, it's almost always like Rich's kids. Like you know, she's friends with, and Rich is a great guy, and and another one human that I've became friends with through jujitsu that I'm super glad grateful for, but you know, she's met Rich's kids and always gets to play with them. So it'll be a good time. I didn't know there would be definitely be kids there. People be, um, there definitely be a good, decent amount of kids. I believe that will be there just hanging out or some will be partaking to be good, you know, so definitely be the, the family type environment. It'll be more relaxed. I, put a lot into the planning. So it's definitely going to be a very unique black belt for butterfly in terms of who's there teaching, um, what's being offered, what's going to be there for everybody to, to partake in. So it'd be a really good time. So just, like I said, fingers crossed, we'll, we'll hopefully keep going with the date that we were projected for. And if not, we'll just push it back further, but it'll be a good time. When did you leave? Uh, when did you move from San Diego? Uh, 2000. 2017. You know my friend Adam Bradley? Yeah, yeah. I know Adam. Yeah. Close with Adam. We were literally so Adam came. Adam was blue when he came. Um had hair, different style, not as ripped like Rambo, but um really cool guy. We we would get a lot of people, right? He was just because we both I was in Europe with him for Europeans and then he was going back home afterwards and he was teaching seminars, but um yeah, Adam's a great guy. Really good jujitsu. I like him a lot. Team White Boy, which is nice. You know, the American squad is is being built up. You know, but um, he's a great guy. His jujitsu has come leaps and bounds. You know, like it's funny to look and see like Adam, Dom Bell, Connor. There's a decent. I mean, like nobody's home. Nobody's really homegrown at Atos anymore. But like to see these guys show up and like. Um, I won't speak too badly of them, but like they, they're horrible. The jiu-jitsu sucks. Right. And three, four months goes by and you're already seeing such a straight up incline and they're not even nowhere even near their potential. And like Adam is literally still just going and going and going and going him, Dom, all these guys, like they're just so good. And Adam is literally becoming probably one of the most consistent American grapplers currently at any belt rank. You know, other than like Josh Hanger and some other guys and JT, but like, I think if he continues his course and he stays focused like he is, because he's very, very committed, you're going to see like him do great things at, uh, at Black Belt, which would be great. But like, man, he is he is a great example to follow. Very, very focused. I like his commitment a lot, but it's come leaps and bounds. Two completely different people compared to what he showed up to compared to who he is now. The best thing about Adam is that, like, before he moved out there, he's from, like, we're all from New Hampshire. He's from, like, an hour west of where we live, like, on the east coast of New Hampshire. 
he's from like an hour west of us. But so like I met him right before, like a month before he moved to San Diego and he's like, man, I got this dream. I want to go, I want to train at Atos. I want to become a world champion. And, and so year, however many years later, man, you're seeing him doing it. And so awesome. Killing it. That, and then he's like, I think now too, he's teaching, he's teaching classes, which is great, but he's like running a program. I think he's running like the 6am or 6.30am program. And literally conversations that I've had with him, with Andre and some other people in there are like that program has escalated just because of his ability to commit to it. Um, he's still training every single day. He's committed to his strength conditioning. Like he's literally, the, the guy literally is a monster, you know, and like to see literally the amount of change that took place from day one to even day now, I can't imagine what's going to continue, but like, that's how, like, it's, it's so funny to see people who are like, you know what, like, my dream is to go out to, to California and train jiu-jitsu full-time. And, like, literally, I mean, at HQ, like, there's, there's new people every single week. And it's almost tough because you're like, man, like, I don't really want to remember your name because, like, if, if I grow attached to you and then you leave, like, it's going to suck, right? Like, there's just so many people that are going out there, you know? And, like, Adam's one of those dudes that literally came, kept his mouth shut and just trained and just trained and just trained. And literally, like, we were all behind the scenes, like, this kid's good. Like, he's going to get really, really good. And, like, just, like, gave him a hard time, you know, and, like, kind of made him put in his time, you know. And then, like, he's, like, now he's, like, literally he's, like, one of the most core uh, core HQ members who competes consistently. And he's great. Like, you know, he gets, gets a lot of credit where it's due. And the kid's a monster. It's great to see. I can't imagine in five years from now where he's going to be, like, he's going to be a monster. Absolute monster. His, uh, so when he came back to New Hampshire, he came and taught like a Thursday night class. He always comes back and teaches a Thursday night class or whatever at our place. And his teaching has gotten a lot better too. You know, you can see him confident in his teaching. But I'll tell you this, maybe you know. The, so when he got there, he told – so he was on our podcast like a couple of years ago, like maybe a year or two after he'd moved there. And so he like moved to San Diego with this dream. And man, he was telling us the story. Like he got a room in somebody's house. And so we were all calling him creepy, whatever the guy's name was. And like, he's telling us the story. He's living with this guy who's like buying him underwear. Do you know about these things? I mean, I've heard, you know, like it's a very common thing. Like there's a couple of guys that were on the team that were like, I don't, I don't know. how. Carl was, you know, they were all, they were all living very unique lifestyles that they had to, to be able to, to train jujitsu as consistently as they were, whatever it may be. But like, like, yeah, I mean, like I've, I've heard of these things and I've seen some things and I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, like, you know, whatever. But like Adam's one of those dudes who was just like, man, like, you know, I got to do what I got to do to get in there and just get it done, you know? And like, it, it, Hey, Adam's a good looking dude, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not my, it's not my place, you know, but, um, I heard things, like I said, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, I definitely would imagine they're true. I definitely. <laughs> think I told him, "We'll never question your commitment, dude. Never, never, never. Hundred percent." He's like, "Man, I wouldn't." He like answered some ad in Craigslist or something. Ended up on this guy's couch and was like, supposedly there was two bedrooms and there was only one bedroom. Yep, there you go. You know, and it's like, oh, man, I got to really train tomorrow. So this is the best thing to do, right? So, yeah, I guess so. You know, how bad do you want to be a world champion? Now he's a world champion, you know, so. Exactly. Sacrifice, you know. Sometimes it's on a Craigslist couch, you know, but. Dude, 
he he suffered and a lot of people talk a lot of stuff about doing what you know following their dream but not that many people follow through and so he's an inspiration he's doing it like I, like i said you could literally do like a documentary on it like they're literally there'll be blue belts purple belts brown black all belt ranks all experience um people that have already had some type of success people have none at all people have never competed people that are already world whatever it may be all of them they show up and you're kind of like flipping the coin are they going to stay or not you know and like i've literally seen guys that drove cross country um in their truck and they literally in their car whatever it may be and they literally train shower and they sleep in their car in the parking lot and they do that over and over again you're just like yeah i mean like it, and jiu-jitsu is not a lifestyle where like josh is walking around he's like i've got millions of dollars i'll help you guys out like everybody's to a degree struggling you know so but i mean like you see all of them and like it's tough mentally physically emotionally whatever it may be and like some people they literally spend a year or whatever the time frame is sacrificing like borderline starving themselves not being able to afford to eat as much as they should be not having comfortable living arrangements and they go to a tournament, they either win or they lose, you know? And then they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, we're like, hey, like, you know, okay, well, now I won. What changes? Nothing, you know, like keep going, you know, it's tough, you know? And like, I think that's what makes the environment the, the way that it is, you know, like nobody's there like, oh, I'm living a great life. This is easy. I've got everything that I want to just show up, you know? Cause like that, that type of grind and that sacrifice is what makes people show up and work the way they do. You know, like, like I said, I mean, it's even tougher for a higher belt because you got dudes that are in there that are blue belts or juveniles, whatever it may be. And they will crush you. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I wanted to be a world champion. I'm a Brown belt or a black belt. And this 15 year old kid is trashing me and he hasn't won anything. And it's like, yup. You know, like you, you definitely start to see reality there, you know, and it's, it's tough, you know, but it's like in terms of being in, a, in an environment to where you have the best possibility of the best training in the world and the best opportunity for learning what it takes to compete and win, that's the place to be, you know, but it's not for everybody, you know, and it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's cutthroat. People literally leave, people stay. Some people quit jujitsu. Some people get their black belts, you know, but it's tough, man. It's super tough. See, especially, you know, now at least there is some prize money, it seems, but he, man, until pretty recently, it's like you're paying to compete at yeah. that thing, you know? You're not even getting paid. You're paying. I mean, that's the thing that's like, it's nicer now to have sponsors. Look at, I mean, look at Adam, right? Like, Adam's not going to get any sponsors as a blue belt, you know? And like, he, he had to win a lot. He had to keep being consistent. And then he got picked up by Kings. Like, he's getting help, but still, like, it's not an easy lifestyle. You know, it's easier now because of, you know, the way the world works and social media and whatnot, but like, it's hard, you know, like you, if you're training full time and you're not, and you're not teaching, what are you doing for money? You know, like, I don't know anybody that's so good as a purple belt that they literally are making two, three grand a month in salary. They're just like, no, just, no one's doing that, you know? So it's like, you got to do something and it's a hustle. It's a grind, you know, and you just got to, that's, but that's what makes you want to win that much more, you know? And like, you see the kids just think I literally, there's kids at HQ that are like world-class athletes and they're working like 50 hours swing shifts and they're just coming in afterwards and they're just grinding and they're just working and they're so good, you know? And you're like, man, if this guy was getting nine hours of sleep, he'd probably be winning worlds, you know? And he's just like, but he's like, Hey, I just won't give up. I love it. You know? But it's tough. It's so tough to see people come in and like, be like, Oh, this is what it takes. And it's like, you don't, it's not even guaranteed you have a shot, you know? 
And it's like, that's sometimes that's hard in itself for people to kind of grasp. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you're talking about, you, you gotta pay to, you gotta pay to train. You gotta pay to eat. You gotta pay to compete. You know, it's like, where's this money coming from? That's tough. You know, what are you selling geese or you're in privates? What? But I mean, like, even like it's when you're in that kind of group too, it's the all-star game, you know? So if someone's coming in to do privates and he's got us pick the litter of all these people we can do privates with, I don't think he's going to pick a blue or purple belt that's offering him for $40 an hour or whatever you're trying to do to make that money, you know, like you're probably going to pay 250 to do it from Josh or somebody else, you know? So it's tough, man. It's really tough. And Cal, you know, San Diego is not a cheap place to live either. Stupid expensive. Right. You got to live on someone's couch from a Craigslist ad, you know, but um, it's very, it's, 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 it's a full commitment, you know, like you're talking about how you're getting there, how you're surviving, how you're going to thrive to get there. Like, it's, it's tough in every shape, way, or form, you know, and it's, it's kind of like you got to get there and be there in the moment and kind of make the right choices as you're going along to kind of solidify yourself being there. But like, there are people that, that a majority of even competitors, well, I would say competitors, but there's a majority of people that like watch competition. Like they'd be like, oh, I don't know who that guy is. And you're like, you're like, oh, that guy literally is probably top 20 in the world, but he hasn't won a world title and whatever it may be. And like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's bending over backwards to make it work just to be there and to compete, you know? And it's like, it's really tough to see all the people that go in there and put in that kind of work and they don't get the results that they want or they do. And maybe they, they change their mind or maybe, but it's, it's literally an environment that like you live or you die. It's, it's that, it's that gruesome because it's, you're giving everything to be there. So it, there's no other choice. When you, what was your goal when you went to Atos? So like, my original, the reason why I left Las Vegas is because, so in 2013, I won my, my major titles. In one year, I won Worlds, Pan Ams, and Europeans. And I was doing a lot of work with Drysdale. I was teaching a lot of the classes. Um, I was running one of the programs entirely. I was stepping in. Like, I was literally, I was literally Drysdale's right-hand man. Like, I was helping with the affiliation stuff. I was helping with the business. I was everything. My hand was literally in everything with him. The only difference was that my name wasn't on the door and he was very respectful. He was very appreciative of me. So like I felt definitely appreciated, but it got to a point to where, and I didn't deliver the information well that I I wanted to be prepared for black belt. I just want everything at Brown and I didn't know when I was going to get my black belt, but I saw that there was a huge gap between winning brown belt worlds and black belt worlds. And I felt that if I just kept doing what I did to do at Brown, I would not win black. So I had a conversation with him. I said, I'm mentally just not feeling confident. I don't think that I'm ready for, to compete at black. And he's like, who said you get your black belt? And I'm like, no, no, no one, no one said it. Right. Like, but I'm saying that if I had it tomorrow or even next year, my environment, I don't feel confident in, I'm not training enough. And he goes, okay, then train more. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. And then he's like, but, you know, you have to either teach all the classes that you have or none of them. And I'm kind of, that puts me in an odd spot because now I don't have the finances to kind of thrive, right? And he's just like, well, like, you understand it's business too, right? Like, the, the, students, the, the, the students deserve a committed instructor. So you either have to commit to them or fully commit to not being with them and then commit to yourself and just training. But, like, we can't mix and match doing both, right? Try to come up with different solutions just didn't work. So I the reason why I went to Drysdale's is because I literally value Drysdale. I said, man, he's, he's an ADCC champ. He's won this, he's won that. Like, I believe that that is where I'll be my best at. And when that shift was taking place and Atos was a powerhouse and 
the Lloyd Irvin guys that I knew were making their change to go over to Optos and they were now enjoying their new environment. I had a conversation with JT. He's just like, man, like there's no other better place to be than this place. Like, you know, not that they're not your family and we are your family, whatever it may be, but like you would be a great asset here and you would be welcomed here with open arms and et cetera, et cetera. And I had a conversation with, uh, with Rob and I was like, Hey, can I do my camps uh, at, at HQ? And he agreed to it. And then I had a conversation with Andre and he said it was okay. So I was literally wearing a Zenith patch and I was doing my Pan Am camps and everything at HQ and it just started to catch up and I was spending more time there than I was at, at Drysdale's and, he, and it just like, it just didn't work, you know? And I was just like, okay, like if I'm going to have to go, I'm going to go to the place where I feel the most confident now. It's at, at Atos. So I had, I, I literally drove to Atos and I sat down and before I made a decision, I had a conversation with Andre on the couch and I was just like, Hey, I want to come here. I want to, I want to compete for Atos. I want my black belt from you. And he already had known that I just won worlds and a bunch of other stuff. And he was familiar and he was just like, you can do whatever you want and I'm supporting it. But whatever decision you make, you've got to fully commit to, and I'm going to hold you to it. And what he meant was my black belt, because when I showed up, he sat me for a long time and I was really butthurt about it. But you know, like this is where I want to be. And he's like, okay, cool. Put in your time and went in, started teaching, started training. And then that was it, you know? So the decision was easy for me that I, I thought that I had to be with the best team in the world to be the best jujitsu fighter that I could be. And at that point in time, it was HQ and still committed to that decision. I don't regret it. So it, once I got there, like there was just huge shift in my jujitsu mentally and physically, and I was already experiencing it, but it was, it was a huge decision for me. If I didn't make it, I don't know where I would be, you know, but, um, I had something great with Drysdale, you know, it was Zenith's first adult world champion, which is great. I was, already integrated into that system, I probably had a great future, you know, but there's just this competitive thing missing from me that I wanted to win a black belt world title. And I thought that I needed to be at Altos to do it. So that's where I went. So now a couple of years later, you're in Philly. What are, what are your goals? Your goals are different now. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean like I just like a couple months ago, kind of like took a step down. So like I'm kind of like not competing anymore, quote unquote retiring, whether it's like partially retiring or fully, but my goals have just shifted. I want to like invest myself more into the academy, into the affiliation. I want to grow the business side of what's going on. I want to be able to help some other people accomplish their goals if they're competitors, you know. And right now, because logic has grown so fast, it's a short period of time that I don't really have thirty-five black belts that can I can be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna train for six months and not teach class. You can do it, right? So right now, it's just I don't even have the desire to compete, so I can kind of train when train how I want to, when I want to type of mentality, which is nice. I can just teach more. Um, so the goal is now just basically creating, uh, forging logic into what it's going to be in the future, which is, you know, being a strong structure of an HQ here in Philadelphia, being a representative of the Altos chapter, um, but also having my own affiliation that's separate from Altos. So that's growing as we speak, you know, and I'll kind of maximize that thing out and I'll focus on that, that side of the business as well. And once I'm ready to make the shift, if that desire and that fire is still there, I'll go back to competing again, but I'm kind of like not into it anymore. You know, I like training, but I don't really have that cutthroat mentality that I did, you know, seven years ago where I just thought I'd eat somebody like put them in front of me, I'll kill them, you know, and right now I'm just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is. Like, you know, I've, I mean, I won what I had to win. I told myself that I needed to be a black belt world champion to have a successful academy. And I lied to myself because I had one and I'm not, you know, so 
that motivation, that desire to be a black belt world champion is not as there as much as it used to be. There's that little chip on my shoulder where it's just like, I don't think you can do it, so go do it, you know, but it's not big enough to where it actually pushes me anymore. So I just kind of take like a back seat, let my students grow, let the academy grow and watch my daughter a little bit more, you know, grow and just focus on teaching. But right now, like the, the goal is to be happening in front of my face and it's just going to every day it'll keep reshaping and we'll get bigger and bigger and just grow efficiently. But that's all it is for now. I mean, it's kind of like a different kind of fun, right? When you're competing. Competing is fun. Right. You know, it's, it's got this, like I said, I, I visited a little bit earlier where like, you know, at one point in time it felt like this and it felt like that and it felt like this, but like as a competitor, I know, I mean, I know for me what it would take for me to feel confident going into competing, like training three times a day, eating the same meal twice a day, every single day, no girls, no alcohol, no going out, jujitsu. So if I don't at least at a minimum do that, I don't even have the confidence of stepping on the mat and competing against Kyle, Bruno, Talos, and all these guys. If I wanted to, and I wanted to actually win, that would be my foundation. I'd have to do even more. You're talking about, I don't know, taking steroids, doing strength conditioning, you know, um, bringing in people to train. I don't even know because it's not even my thought process, but as, as a competitor that then left San Diego, I'm like, man, like this is really tough. How can I train this many times a day with that many high quality training partners where my, my ceiling's a lot lower because my student base and I'm teaching as well. You know, my time split instead of being the, the student and the leader, you know? So it, it was, it was enjoyable lifestyle in San Diego because I had Andre and I had a team to keep me disciplined, to keep me focused, because if I didn't do my job, they didn't have a training partner to train with. So it was very, very accountable for multiple directions. It was fun, uh, but it was absolute. it was brutal, it was hell, you know, like, and it's not something that I enjoyed in the moment. It's only when I look back and I go, man, like, that's, that's great stuff. It's what made us who we are, right? But I can't even duplicate that to a degree in Philadelphia just because of who I am now, what I have and what I have to be responsible for. Like I've got a wife, I've got a daughter, I've got a house, I've got two cars, I've got a a, a 10,000 square foot Academy. Like it's just not in the cards, you know, like Andre, when he prepares for ADCC is literally like, you're teaching these classes, you're teaching these classes. I am training. That's it. You know, like perhaps when I get to that mentality and that state, I can do those things too. But right now I'm just kind of like, I don't even want to, you know? So what I'm doing now is fun, you know, like, traveling teaching still which is great but like showing up the academy teaching a class and like yeah i'll roll and there's no what are we rolling for it's just roll to roll you know like that 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 shift there like it literally i felt like i was taking years off my life having that pressure on myself of i need to win and i'm not even doing anything to just like hey let it go and just have fun you know so now i'm having fun and killing people still the same but just not competing i mean it's hard to right i mean i you know i mean my goal Cause I'm older, I'm, you know, 45. I would, I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. I want to roll for, <laughs> so that's, that's number one, which is great. You know? So um, I want to roll for a while. Right. But like, you know, that type of stuff, I don't, I think it's, you can't train like that for a long period of time and think you're going to roll for the rest of your life. What? Like literally like even then I was in a constant state of, hitting my comfort zone, like feeling like I was burning the candle at both ends. This was going on. It'd be like, 
it would take three months. Then it would go to two months. Then it would go to one month. Then it was like literally like every day I was hitting that thing. And I was like, man, like what's going on? And like my first year there was hard because I literally had this luxurious lifestyle in Las Vegas. It's cheaper to live there. You know, like I was a young bachelor, right? Like it's Las Vegas, you know, going out. Well, I wasn't going out, but like I could hang out with my friends. I could like enjoy myself still being in my environment. I, I had money, you know, and then literally said like, ah, you know what? Let's put this in a blender and just spit it out at you. And now I'm in San Diego, poor, like trying, not even having the money to eat. So like, even if I needed to cut weight, which I never did, I literally didn't have to because I was just starving. Like I could only eat sometimes once a day, you know? So like, the, the mentality in like terms of what it took, like I probably shaved off years of my life, the stress, the, 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 the focal point, the, what I put my kidneys through, it's just, it's just tough, you know, like there's no way. But like I, I also started a little, bit young, a little bit older, so like it wasn't part of my natural habitat, but like there's kids in there that have never trained differently, so they don't know differently. So their body and their mind is no different. They're like, oh, this, no, this is just every day, right? Like, and I'm just like, man, like, this is crazy. Like, I literally see people that come in and for whoever they are, and they take a competition class and they break halfway. And you're talking about, we do this every single day, Monday through Friday, and you broke halfway through. Like, imagine doing this. Like, there's no world's camp. You train year around for worlds. There's no break. Like, oh, what are we doing today? No, there's no, none of that. So it's, it's tough, you know, like, and those, the, the, the ones who can weather the storm are literally just forces that need to be reckoned with. Like JT Torres is the hardest working dude in the room. And even though he is amazing at jujitsu, you can't mentally break him because he's unbreakable, you know, like, and it's from that kind of training. Like the dude will not show any emotion. And you literally would have to kill him for him to die. Like you, you, you wouldn't know, you know, but it's because of being there like that, you know, like, I don't know how people do it for longer than they do, but it, it takes a toll on you, you know, it take, took a toll on me, but, um, but now look at JT, you know, he's back home in New York and he's doing his thing and he's taking that autos mentality and he's forcing it into his environment. He's pumping it. And his students are like, man, this is crazy. Now it's natural to them. And they do that, you know, and like I'll have some of my students that go up there and cross train and they're like, man, it's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it's tough, right? You know, it's competition class, you know? So, but like, yeah, I mean, like now it's different. I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle when she gets married. I'm not trying to be crippled, you know, like my body's already falling apart and I'm not even competing anymore. You know, like you're talking about like, you feel the difference of like, my neck feels good. My joints feel good. It's been three week break. Like making that shift from not training as hard as consistently. Like my body was just like, thank you. You know, like, yeah, no problem. And I'm falling apart and I'm 32, you know, like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't even see my life past 40. I don't know how I'm going to make it, you know? Like, it happens quick, man. I'll, you'll be there before you know it. I can't believe it, you know, like, but I want to be able to do jujitsu, you know, like, I want to be able to train when I'm 40. I want to be able to teach when I'm 40. I want to be able to evolve, you know, and like, at some point in time, it's just thinking about the future, you know, like, I can't keep I just can't keep killing it like that. I've got to stop being the hammer and the nail and just kind of like watch someone else do it. So did you try to bring, I mean, I'm assuming you've, you've trained with a lot of interesting individuals. I'm assuming you've taken stuff from all those guys and brought it to logic. Yeah. I mean, I've always been greatly drawn to the aspect of jiu-jitsu of teaching, you know? So like teaching is like definitely something that I pride myself over. It's like something that I obsess with still, like, I used to obsess about competing and teaching and now like 
when I dream at nights about just teaching, you know, but like I've had the ability to take my jujitsu and test it. I've had the ability to see it fail and succeed. I've seen other people's jujitsu fail and succeed on me. I've, I've watched it from other people, you know, so I've definitely been in a, in a situation to where I feel confident as an instructor being able to share all different types of jujitsu because I've experienced doing it, having it done on me, witnessing it, breaking it down, understanding it, asking the questions. So I have the answers later, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to be in an environment like that to where you have so many different games, so many innovations, you know, and so many, so many more in depth type of thought process that I can literally bring to logic and it makes it more unique, but my students don't even know any differently because they're like, Oh, this is just how it is. Right. And I'm like, no, no, it's not, it's not how it is. This is like not, I could be teaching the same thing for six months and doing a bad job and just like you do whatever, you know, but like they're spoiled, but they don't know it, you know, but, um, but I have like, I'll have JT in, I'll have Josh in, like, you know, like I had people in Andre and Angelica, you know, they're just kind of like, Oh, this is normal. Right. And then people, other people come in, they're like, Whoa. And they're like, what? And they're like, that's Josh Hanger. Like, Oh yeah. He's here all the time. Whoa. And I'm like, you guys are spoiled, you know? So it's nice to be a part of the team that I am and to have the friends that I do and to be able to have that constant ability to bring that to logic, to, to make our families bigger, you know, and Andre's a great supporter. And so is I'm really close to Josh and some other guys. So it's nice to have them here to be also to support them, put money in their pockets, be able to give them different types of abilities. Like, Oh, now they're a student of mine on this website. But I'm like, cool. You know? So it's, that was for me, like the reason why, I made the path that I did. So when I had my own academy one day, I could check as many boxes as possible for what I can offer to my students. And I wanted to have the jujitsu that I did and have the ability to bring in people that I could. And that's, you know, that's another reason for why I made the decisions I made in the past. So I'm glad that they're flourishing. And, but my, my, literally my students don't even care. They're just kind of like, Oh, okay. Who's like, it's Josh. Cool. And I'm like, Josh is really good at jujitsu. Like, Oh, okay. You know, (laughs) you guys are crazy, you know, but um, but it's, it's stuff like that. That's nice to look back on. I'm like, you guys don't, you'll understand, I guess in a couple of years, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see everything come together and be able to be like, man, like, you know, my professor came to my Academy, you know, like that was huge. You know, Andre came in and he was like, this is great. I'm like, Oh, thanks. You know, like, so that's cool. You know, like remember the days where like you were at my Academy and you couldn't eat and now I'm at yours and you're feeding me. And I'm like, yep. You know, so it's, it's nice. It's full circle. That is awesome, man. Where's Josh from originally? Josh, Josh is uh, from California. So his, um, his family lives in Temecula. Um, but he's bounced around a lot. He went to school in Indiana. Um, he trained there. He's got, he's got a good following chunk there. Um, and got his black belt from Andre when he was in Indiana. He was training with like Tim Sled and all those guys. Um, and then got his degree. Had a conversation with Andre. And as a black belt had some mild forms of success with competing like grapplers quest and whatnot, but no IBJJF stuff or ADCC stuff had a conversation with Andre and Andre said, man, you come to my Academy and you train full time. I will make you a black belt world champion. And Josh literally dropped everything and moved to San Diego. And I forget the time frame. There's a video out. There's an interview about it, but like Andre gave a time frame. I think it was like three years of like he'd make him a black belt world champion and ended up being like four or five. But Josh came, couch surfed, bounced around from place to place, got a rhythm of things, and then literally as a black belt, not even as a lower belt, 
jujitsu is, and he was a good black belt. Now he's a great black belt. That difference is huge, you know, but like he literally dropped everything, sacrificed, starved, did whatever he had to do and became a black world champion. Now he's a jujitsu quote unquote God, you know, and it's crazy to see. And, and he literally would, he literally wasn't part of Atos in terms of his environment. He came to Atos as a black belt, you know, like, and Andre gave him his black belt, which was huge, you know, and to see that kind of like thing take place, which was big, but like shows up as a black belt and kind of like, who's this dude? Who's this white guy? You know, like, I'm like, what's going on? And like, he guillotined everybody. That was it. I've, I've seen, I stole a lot of his stuff, man. He's a guy actually, like I've taken a lot of stuff from. Next time, um, next time he's here, I'll let you know, but like you can come down. Like he literally, he's a great instructor. He's got this very unique character and personality and like you either love it or you hate it, you know, but like, he's a great dude, great human being, you know, like he's great with kids. He's, he's an awesome dude, but like his jujitsu is really good. Like it's like, it, it looks effortless because of how much work he's put into it. But like he literally just annihilates people. Like it's, it's, it's almost I almost don't want to train so I can just watch him, you know, and like to see him do that. And like I said, he's come leaps and bounds and he was good when he showed up. He's just great now. But like that dude is so good at jujitsu and like his information for his guillotines. And I mean, even his other positions, it's really strong. You know, he's, 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 he's a great instructor. He teaches a lot at HQ kids and adults, you know? So um, next time he comes down, I'll let you know, but he's man, he's a guy that like you need to train with and you'll literally realize how insignificant you are. Every time I train with him, he's like, man, you're getting so good. And I'm like, shut up. I have He's just guillotine, guillotine, guillotine. And then you tell me to do something else and you do that to you. And you're just like, oh, okay. Sounds good. So good. Um, yeah, man. I, I would love to train with him. I would love to, I'll take you up on that. But, I mean, I plan on, I plan on being at Logic this summer, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've got a decent-sized house. We're going to bring the whole family. You guys can stay. You'll be comfortable, you know, so you're, you're always welcome. Um, once the academy is open, it's popping. It's really, it's good to go, you know, and it's in a good area in terms of food where we can go and hang out, but you're definitely welcome. Just let me know. We'll we'll plan it, put you up, do whatever you need to do. But I think when – I mean, I've driven to – I don't know how far it is to New Hampshire, wherever it may be, but, like, I think when – uh, the times that Rich has come down, it's only been like three hour drive for him. He just like goes and come back. And I'm like, you're a little crazy. I would stay with me for the night, but right. you guys are always welcome. You can crash and do your thing. Stay for a couple of days if you like. Yeah. I mean, our, our, for us, it's like probably six hour drive, I think, but yeah, we make a, make a few days of it. Fine, I'll pick you up, whatever you want to do, but um, you're more than welcome to. Um, if you want to crash and spend a couple of days, you're more than welcome to your family, you, whatever you want. I'm in, we're in, man. Dude, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad I got to meet you at Black Belts for Butterflies at the last one, and um, I'm stoked that like I saw I you know I I saw I saw the webinar and I watched it. And I was like, oh man, this is so good. And then you posted something about podcasts. I'm like, well, I got the podcast for you, my friend. Right back into the universe, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's appreciate you being my okay for Black Belts for Butterflies, but um, yeah, man, it's been a blast. I really appreciate you. I like your character a lot. Wish we could hang out and see each other more. There's obviously decent amount of distance between us but uh i really appreciate you i appreciate you guys having me you know it's awesome and definitely was looking forward to this it was a great time um hopefully do it again in the future but um hopefully you and i will see each other before we have to speak each other like this again which would be great but maybe the next podcast i'll be up there you can come down here wherever maybe we'll make it work but um hopefully sooner rather than later yeah man let's do it in person for sure yes please all right brother have a good night man stay healthy you'll be safe Thanks, buddy. Peace.